we truly are family. You ready to sing? All right, forget the singing, but we are family. And we're a family that's growing and we're growing strong. And as we grow as a family, amazing things happen. It's my hope and prayer that we as a church family will always grow in our love and our knowledge of Jesus so that we can proclaim his good news to others. And so we can live in the reality that he lives and he loves us. But as we grow as a family, there's times where we see those growing uh, in a new direction and growing with new wings as our young people, for example, grow to maturity and find independence. And it's exciting to see that. Well, today we're going to celebrate what God is doing in our growing family and how he is doing it. And we're going to start by uh, recognizing what God is doing in Jamie Hart's life. And so I'm going to ask Jamie and Heather Hart to come up um, on stage and join me up here. Now, many of you may not know this, but 14 years ago, I started in the ministry right here in Orangewood. And it was right in this very room that I had my very first high school student ministry. And it was so successful that three people came. Hey, Heather. Good to see you. Hey, Jamie. Good morning. One of the three was Jamie Hart. Unbelievably. And then to see uh, him fall in love with a high school sweetheart who at times had other boyfriends, but we're not going to go there right now. Uh, And to have the privilege of uh, having Jamie as a summer intern. Uh, From there, see him take a uh, youth ministry position uh, up in the Chicago area with a PCA church. Brought him down here to work with me. Uh, for the, with the middle school. And when I got this new gig, uh, Jamie did such a great job replacing me. But now he feels the call to grow strong and to go plant a church. And so Jamie is going to be uh, leaving. He's going to be staying and leaving all at the same time. It's exciting because there is a church, a reformed church down in the Lake Nona area called Cross Point. They have an internship program for uh, uh, upcoming church planners. There'll be a year there, and Sydney McKinley will be joining them. And then, Lord willing, hopefully in the Winter Park full sale, full sale area, uh, in about a year or so, there'll be a new church plant. Are we family? This is the first couple I ever officiated the wedding for. Now, and I wasn't ordained. So they might be living in sin. We got to pray for them right now. So to make it official, I ask or they ask Vaughn Stanley, one of our pastors, uh, to come and to uh, uh, say the vows so they really can be married. As a matter of fact, Vaughn Stanley's daughter, Kelly, is here. And Kelly and her husband, Zach Van Dyke, can they come join me on the stage? Uh, They were in the first sixth grade class I ever had. Now, this was my first youth ministry in high school. Kelly and Zach were in my first uh, sixth grade class, and I always loved Kelly. Uh, Zach was okay. Uh, No, just kidding. (laughs) It's great to see the Van Dykes um, now with their two children, so come on up. Hey, Kelly, how are you? Good to see you. Zach, um, who is uh, really talented in many ways, if you've been to our Living Nativity, he gave it a shot in the arm this year, really uh, because of his gifts and abilities and talents. Zach has felt God calling him into the ministry and for the last year and a half has been taking classes at Reformed Theological Seminary. And so uh, it's incredible to see what God has done in his life. Are we not family? My first six graders, they grow, they grow strong. And now guess what? 
And God has called Zach to be our next youth director. And so we are so excited. Uh, you're good, you're good. Pray for us, because this is the last 14 years of our youth ministry right here. And this is our future. But we are a family church, and we believe so mightily that God has given us an incredible children's ministry program, a great student ministry, a phenomenal school ministry, uh, so many wonderful families. And so I'm excited. A lot of exciting things are coming. Pray. It's one of the hardest ministries in the world. Let me tell you, the average youth minister stays in youth ministry, not just at his job, stays in youth ministry 18 months. So I was there for 10 years. You're going to be good. Zach always was breaking the curve. So we're thinking at least 20. No, no, not true. And Jamie was here for the last seven years in a total of over 10 years, nine years in youth ministry. We join me in prayer. Let's just give thanks for what God has done and is doing in our, our midst. Father God, I know that you love me because my life includes the hearts and the Van Dykes. That God, I had the privilege of seeing these four people grow up. Uh, to truly, uh, God, to grow in their love and knowledge of you, to see them married. I had the privilege of officiating both of their weddings. And, and Lord, uh, the privilege of seeing their children. And Lord, we ask your richest blessing upon them as Jamie and, and Heather and Sydney and McKinley go to uh, plant a church, Father God. We ask that. Lord, you would be with them. May this year at Crosspoint be a wonderful apprentice for them. And God, I pray your spirit would steer our hearts. And there might be some, maybe many, that will want to go with them about a year from now to go and have an impact for the cause of Christ in the Winter Park area. God, we're excited. Uh, Father, we're so excited about Zach and Kelly, Oliver and Atticus. And Father, we ask your richest blessing upon them as well. Lord, I pray first for the body, that, Lord, we'd love these guys well. That, Lord, we do everything we can to build them up and to support them. Uh, this is such a difficult job. We thank you for them. We thank you that they know our story. They're a part of our story. So much of our history has been wrapped up with those on this stage. And so, God, as they now love our young people, would you give them great wisdom? Would you give them the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ? And, God, would you give them some tough skin? Because, really, sometimes the ministry can just chew you up and spit you out. And God, we don't want that because we love them too much. So God, we thank you for the growing family that is growing strong here. We thank you for how you love us, how you provide for us. When one goes, you provide an answer with another. And we thank you for the joy I have as their pastor to see you do great things. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Welcome. It's great to have you. Welcome. It's all downhill. I whispered in his ex's ear, it's all downhill. <laughs> no, it's not. It gets better and better. It's awesome. Is God not good? Are you not excited? I really hope. All the time. Amen. All the time, God is good. Turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to look at Ephesians 4 as we're continuing our, fam- our Family Matters series. And last week, we looked at the point that God has, well, a few weeks ago, we looked at the reality that God has called us one. Unbelievably. God has given us new life in Christ. Those of us who were dead in our trespasses and sins, in faith in Christ Jesus, we've been made alive. Those of us who have been separated because of 
socioeconomic reasons or political reasons or any reasons have been united as one in Christ, that we are the body of Christ, we are the family of God, and we truly are one. As one man, Scripture says to us, we are one family. Unbelievable. Yet we have many parts, as you heard me say to the new members, that we have different gifts. And uh, these gifts need to come together and work together. Well, last week we looked at the reality that Scripture was telling us that we are to put off the old self, that sinful self, that sinful nature. And we are to put on the new self in Christ. And we need to have new minds. We need to have new hearts that beat for Jesus and the things that beat for Him. And really, today we're looking at how does that all work? What does it look like? We're the church, not the brick and mortar. We're going to be building a new building, Lord willing, but that's not the church. We're the church. We're the family. We're this one body. And yeah, we're in the midst of a capital campaign and we're about ready to launch on a building campaign. But listen, the most important building campaign can never be the bricks and mortars. We can never focus our attention there ever. Heaven forbid. The building campaign is the building campaign of our lives. It's you and me, sinners saved by God's grace, that are becoming more and more like Jesus. And we are becoming more and more winsomely offensive to the world around us in a way we're loving them in his name. And as he builds us up in Christ Jesus, the world can see how beautiful he is, how winsome he is, how much life he has and he desires to give to us And so as we uh, continue this morning, really, it's the building campaign of our lives that we are looking to. And Paul tells us how so practically we are to build our lives together, to put on this new self, having a new mind, new heart, and a new nature in Christ Jesus. So look with me at God's holy and errant word. We're going to look at Ephesians 4, verses 25 through 32 this morning. Let's be mindful. We're reading God's holy and errant word. Therefore, Paul writes, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. Listen to this. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as Christ God forgave you. Let us pray. Father God, you have for us today on this very, very special Sunday, a very, very special and practical message of how we are now to live our lives as one body, as one family, with many parts in a way that brings you glory, in a way that tells your story, in a way that 
is obediently following after Jesus as we imitate him and walk in love. God, I don't have the abilities, the gifts, the words to change someone's life or to speak this kind of truth into someone's life. Father, you know the truth about me. You know that I'm a broken sinner that desperately needs Jesus. But God, you've also told us that through the preaching of your word and through the illumination of the Holy Spirit that you will speak. So Father, we need to hear your voice. We're your children. We need to hear instructions from Father. So open up our ears so that we can hear. Illumine our minds, Holy Spirit, so we can understand the beauty and the awe of Jesus and what he is calling us to do. Father, we ask that you would empower our feet so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the sweet worship that we've enjoyed. Thank you for the fellowship that we have in Christ Jesus. And Father, we ask you would come with power so that you could receive glory and we can receive challenge and joy. And it's in Christ's powerful name we pray. Amen. We are in the midst of a building campaign and the first thing we're going to have to do, believe it or not, is demolition. The first thing we're going to have to do is knock down the house that Jeff built. Well, no, I didn't build that. It was a youth facility that we built when I was here. So good is my ministry that we're knocking down the building. Hopefully it has nothing to do with my ministry. It has something to do with the fact that twice now we've got an unwelcome guest from the city of Maitland, raw sewage, dumped into our youth facility. The mold, the leaky uh, roof, and, and the building plans call for us not to try to spruce it back up, not to slap some putty in the holes and put on a new coat of paint. It's bad enough that we have to demolish it, knock it down. And that's what Scripture is telling us to do with certain parts of our lives. You know, each one of us, each one of us was born with a sinful nature, and each one of us uh, in Christ Jesus has been given a new nature. We've been given a new self. God says this, unbelievably, that in Christ Jesus, sinners like us, we are now new creations. The old is gone, the new is gone. Come. What does that mean? Well, the old power of sin and the penalty of sin has been completely done away with on the cross. Unbelievably, the Father took him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we can become new creatures. We can become beautiful. We can become holy. We can become set apart. And he now gives us the Holy Spirit. But we're not perfect. We won't be until he comes back or we go up into heaven. And in that meantime, you and I, every single one of us is going to wrestle with that old nature, that old sinful nature. You ever ask yourself the question, why do I still do the things I do? Paul himself asked that question in the book of Romans. As he wrestled with that new nature and that old nature. But what he tells for us very clearly is this. Don't feed that old nature anything. Really, we're to demolish it. We're to destroy it. We're to to take it out so that we can live for Christ Jesus in this new nature. And how do we do it? How do we demolish that which is worthless? Well, it starts off with our tongue. Look, I'm going to give us about four things that we need to demolish. And the first one is this, lying. Look again in verse 25. Therefore, having put off all falsehood, that old nature, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. If you remember, look up at verse 15 in chapter 4. Paul tells us that we should be speaking to one another in love, the truth in love. Really, it says this, we should be truthing in love. Because we are one, we are to no longer 
lie to one another. I love what he says. Listen, for we are members of one another. Because of the beautiful picture, get the picture of one another, folks. It's not just about you and me and Jesus separately as silos. It's about us together as family in Jesus. Because that's how he sees us. He sees us corporately as one. Yes, individually, he knows if a hair falls. Yes, he loves you personally, intimately, individually. But really, corporately is how he is blessing this community as one body. He hasn't given us each one all the gifts. He's given us different gifts so we come together as one. And because we are members of one another, we need to speak the truth to one another to put away lying. Listen. Loving our neighbor as ourself, as God has called us to do, is telling our neighbors the truth. They deserve it. We truly are one, one in Christ. And it is so selfish for us to lie. Think about it. Think about telling someone an untruth, especially a brother or sister in Christ. What are we doing? We're selfishly trying to get an advantage of our, for ourselves And immediately we disadvantage our neighbors by not sharing with them the truth. We lift ourselves on a higher plane. Somehow our needs are more important. Somehow lying to you so I can tear you down or lying to you so I can build myself up is incredibly sinful, breaking the Eighth Commandment, but it's also incredibly selfish. It really is. I mean, if we see ourselves as one, one unit, we're going to love one another. By loving our neighbors as ourselves means that we are going to speak the truth to one another in love. They deserve it. They're an image bearer. They deserve it. They're a child of God. They deserve it. They're part of the family. And how selfish of us if we are going to lift ourselves up for selfish ambitions and be lying to one another. God says we are to demolish that. Speak the truth in love. Oh, how we have a way to justifying our lying. Oh, I didn't really want to tell them the truth. It might hurt. Or really, it's for their own good. Listen, Jesus is truth. He said, calls for us to be truthing in love. We need to demolish all lying. Not only that, in verses 26 and 27, we need to demolish what is worthless. That's anger that leads to sin. What kind of anger leads to sin? Most anger leads to sin. The only anger, listen, the only anger that doesn't lead to sin is anger over sin. A righteous anger. The anger that you have when you hear on the news of a little child being abused by someone who should be protecting them. The anger you have when you hear your Lord Jesus' name being dragged through the mud. That's a righteous anger. Jesus himself had that kind of anger. But for the rest of us, for the most part, our anger leads us to sin. And we got to make sure that we are demolishing all of that because it is worthless. Why? I love what he says this. He says, remember, speak the truth to one another because you belong to one another. Interesting juxtaposition. Now he's going to say this. Be angry, but don't sin so you don't give the enemy, the devil, a handle in your life. He's a defeated foe, but he still wants to mess up your life. And he wants to use your anger to do it. He wants to use your anger and your wrath to split your family, to divide you from your children, to cause your church to be separated. And he sees that as an opportunity in your life to divide what God has joined together. That's why it's so important that we need to demolish all of this anger. Continue to turn to Christ and say, God, let me walk with the Spirit. Let me drive this out. So many of us 
have an incredible anger problem bubbling up inside of us. And what it does is it gives God the, uh, or gives Satan the ability to have a handle in our lives and to pry open big chasms of danger. I love the practical advice. It says this, are you ticked? Okay, is it justified? It's not. Here's what you really got to make sure you do. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. It's only going to bubble up. It's not going to be better in the morning. It's going to just eventually come out of the surface and it's going to be ugly. So he says to us, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And this is so important, especially for those of you who are married. Don't fall asleep without that peace in your household between spouses or with your children. Don't let the sun come down on your anger. Men, it starts with you. I don't care who started the argument. I don't care if you believe you're in the right and they're in the wrong. Clearly, Scripture says that you are the leader of your home. You are the initiator of your home. And it starts with you. It starts with you with your children. It starts with you with your spouse. And so you guys, we can't say, well, my wife doesn't get it or my kids don't get it. I'm going to bed. And I'm going to have a deal with it in another time. As the spiritual leader of our homes, biblically speaking, this is a pretty black and white statement, man. Don't let the anger go down. Don't let anger, the sun go down on our anger. And for those of us and, and wives, we, we, it doesn't mean that you are not supposed to do that as well. And quit elbowing your husband. But I do believe it begins with us, man. Demolish lying. Demolish anger that leads to sin. Demolish stealing. The Greek word here is klepto in verse 28. I, I love 28. I mean, really, as we head into this uh, end of this uh, Growing Strong campaign, listen to this incredible verse. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather, listen to this worth ethic, the reason why we work. Rather, let him labor doing honest work or good work with his own hands. So that, why? So that he may have something to share with those in need. Isn't that beautiful? You know what this verse clearly tells us? It tells us this, that work is good. God created us to work before the fall. Before the sin thing became a huge problem, we were working for God and with God in paradise. Working is not a bad thing. Because of sin, now working is really hard. It's the sweat of our brow. It's very painful. We toil and we work hard and sometimes it seems very fruitless. But it's not the work fault, it's the sin's fault. God has created us to be his workmanship. He's created us to do good works that he's prepared in advance that we should walk in them. We are created to work for God's glory. Work is not the problem. But here's what he says. We are made to work, that's good, but we're made to get something from our work. We are not made to steal. Stealing is basically this, getting something for nothing. God has not created us to get something for nothing, especially at the expense of another. I know that you guys are thinking where I'm thinking. Many of you are saying, I'm a good businesswoman. I don't steal. I'm a good businessman. I don't steal. Let's, let's, let's uncover this a little bit more. Are you practicing business in a way that might be legal, but still is at the expense of someone else? Are you really loving your neighbor as yourself? I, I tell you what, Orangewood, if we get this, we are a radically different church. If we get the reality, he's calling us to work with our hands to do good in our minds and our hearts, but ultimately so we can share, but ultimately so we don't steal. 
We don't steal the dignity from somebody we're writing a contract with. We don't steal the dignity and the commission from those that we work with. It means truly we love our neighbors as ourselves. We don't feel good about gain that wasn't earned in a biblical way. I think there's much more stealing that goes on in a white-collared way that goes under the books because it looks like it's legal that makes God's heart break. Don't steal. Do an honest work. But why do all that? So that you can give. So you can work to give. It's not about you and me accumulating possessions for ourselves. Is this not completely radically different than everything we learn in a Western culture? A Western culture says work really hard, do it really good, and maybe you'll have a great retirement. And you'll be able to have the house you need, you'll be able to have the car you want to drive, and the stuff you need to have, and you'll be blessed from your hard work. But what the Bible says, work really hard and do what's good so you have something to give. It's amazing. So you can be a blessing, a blessing to others. And even this morning as we come forward, we're going to be able to say, God, thank you for allowing us to work so that we can give even to your uh, church. We got, we got to uh, demolish lying, demolish anger, demolish stealing, demolish corrupt talk in verse 29. That's complaining, sneering, cynical and sarcastic talk. Anything that will demoralize a community. How many of us are guilty of that? I'll tell you one thing about a church is we're going to give you a lot of reasons to complain. We're going to give you a lot of reasons to sneer. We are going to give you a lot of reasons to be cynical. And a lot of reasons to talk sarcastic. But God says, love one another. Love one another that there's no corrupt, taking down, demoralizing one another in the church. That we are to demolish bitterness and wrath that comes from anger. I love that. Bitterness is usually something we hold inside. Wrath spews out. Clamor and slander. One is screaming at someone. The other one's speaking bad behind someone's back. All malice we are to put away with and to be like Christ. Here's the key, my friends. This can only be done in Christ Jesus. Until we realize who we are in Christ, we will fail in all of these. You see, here's the beautiful reality of the gospel. We don't need to lie. Because the Father loves us perfectly in the Son. And we never have to say anything that's not truthful to one another to try to lift ourselves up and advantage over one another. Why? Because we have everything we need in Christ Jesus. We no longer need to steal because we realize that every gift and ability God has given to us, He's given it to us by design. And if we understand who we are in Christ Jesus, we're content with what we have, even with our possessions, even with our gifts. We no longer need to have corrupt talk coming from our mouth. Now we're going to speak graciously to one another and love one another. We're going to put on Christ. Listen, the only way we'll ever be able to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel is if you and I fully understand who we are in Christ Jesus. And I can't preach that strong enough. Do you understand that truly every one of our sins has been paid for? On the cross? Do you understand that we're clothed in his righteousness? Do you understand the beauty we have in Jesus? We don't need to tear one another apart. We don't need to try to get get an advantage over one another. He loves us perfectly in Christ Jesus. We can stand and speak the truth and love. We can open up our lives and say, yes, I'm a broken mess, but I'm loved in Christ Jesus. I'm forgiven in his blood. I'm clothed in his righteousness. I now have the privilege and the honor and the duty to speak truth.
to live in a way that brings him glory and honor. The only way we get this is we understand who we are in Christ. And let me ask, for those of you who have yet to embrace Christ Jesus as Savior, don't try to do this without him. You're going to fail. You can't. You can't do it until you're powered by the Holy Spirit. You can't. And this is supposed to drive you to the one who did and who will empower you to do the same. It's so beautiful. Well, not only do we need to demolish, we need to build. And we start by building with our words. In verse 29, we are to use our words to build up one another, to show grace. The book of James tells us how hard a struggle it is to tame the tongue and how much damage an unrestrained tongue can do. And oh, our churches are wounded all over this country and world because of the tongue. But listen, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the building campaign of our lives begins with the Holy Spirit allowing us to speak truth to one another, love to one another, grace to one another, building one another up, not tearing one another down. I love what he says, giving grace to those who hear, not heartburn. You've heard it said, if you don't have any good to say, don't say it. This says even more. You should say something good. We're brothers, we're family, we're sisters with one another. We have to build one another up. We we forget that we're beautiful in Christ. We forget that we've been forgiven. We forget that we're okay in Christ. So we got to remind one another. That's what we do with the passing of the peace. We got to do that with all of our speech. We got to build one another up with our words. Not only that, we got to build one up with our hands in verse 28. Here's a beautiful picture that still blows me away that Jesus wants to bless this community through you. He's choosing to bless the world through us, through his family, through our hands. The one who has made us in his image and redeemed us through the work of his son says, I have blessed you and gifted you so that you can work in a way that is my workmanship, bringing me glory so that you can bless others. So you have something to give and just have that joy, that joy of that little boy who says, I'm going to give $4 a month because I know who made my hands. We've got to build with our hands. You see, the ultimate goal for work, how many of y'all believe this? The ultimate goal of work is to have something to give away. Is that not a completely paradigm-shattering way to do work? That's amazing. God has given our hands. He's given us our feet and our minds so that we can glorify him and bless others. Lastly, we've got to bless him with our hearts. In verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ God forgave you. We are to be kind and love, compassionate, tender-hearted. It's where we get spleen. The heart, word heart's not in there. But it's basically that emotion that comes when we have compassion for one another. And how do we do it? The only way we do it is this way. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Do you understand that we were once blind? Do you understand that we were once wretched? Do you understand what God has done through his son? Do you understand that he ran to us before we could even turn to him? Do you understand he led with grace? He loved us first. Do you understand? And how he has forgiven us? He says, now go and do likewise. Really, what we are called to do is to love, forgive as Christ God has forgiven us, to love as God in Christ loves us, and to imitate Christ and walk in love. We're building so much more than buildings. Through the power of the Holy Spirit and because of what Christ has done, we're building the city of God. This is what we are. Do you, do, we're the city of God. We're the city within a city. We're the city on a hill. We're the light of the world. 
We're the salt of the earth. This is who we are in Christ Jesus. We are building the city of God. And it's by building our lives so that Christ's kingdom could be advanced. We're going to sing. We're going to sing in the re, to the reality that we are the city on a hill, the city of the God. As we as we sing, what we're going to do is we're going to have a chance for you to respond, to come and, and say, "I love you, Jesus. I understand what you've done in my life. I want to respond to you by giving you my life and showing that I love and trust you by giving our tithes and offerings, and also by coming and giving your pledge cards." I mean, that Growing Strong campaign for those of all of you who were uh, members. We've gotten about 62 cards in from leaders uh, so far, and we're on a great start. And I'm so excited what God is doing. But respond not out of duty, but out of love. Realizing that we're not building buildings. We're building truly the city of God for the glory of God. So as the worship team comes forward, I'll pray for us. And may God be pleased with us as we respond to his love and grace in our lives. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for the incredible, incredible privilege that we have to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Father, I thank you for this growing strong campaign, not for the campaign itself, but for the evidence of all that you are doing in our midst. Father, we thank you for the lives that are being changed. We thank you for the family that we are. And Father, we ask that you would bless us, the true church, your family, your children, to grow us more like Jesus Christ so that as the bricks and mortars come up, we truly can be the church inside that loves you, that loves one another, and that proclaims the good news of Christ Jesus. Thank you for the privilege that we can reflect to this world a taste of heaven. The church is a place where you and your people meet as truly the city of God. Be pleased with us as we respond to this. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. As you feel comfortable, obviously sing, but also come and bring your gifts to the Lord.